week on the After School Archive Club. Slay the house boots down. Yes! Slay the house boots down. Houston, I'm deceased. <laughs> <laughs> I actually talk happens? like that at work, and I think people think that's how Canadians talk. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god, Katie! Yes, no! <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the After School Archive Club. If you're new here, this is a history podcast. If you're not new here, you know it's far more than a history podcast. I'm your host, well, one of them, Katie. And I'm Liz. And I am your third host, Patrick. I went with old man today. So welcome to the first, like, real episode of the new format. Because last week... This is the... <laughs> this is the third time now that we're saying this. Yeah, first we're... episode was like, welcome to the first episode that's new. And then the second one was like, welcome to like our first like like real episode. And now we're also getting into another level of real. We're breaking the shoes in, okay? You know, the shoes need to fit. We need to make sure they fit. Well, you know, last week, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Liz and I talked all about a scandal at the British Museum that's very much like in the popular news, like right now. Very yeah. much what happened this Holy summer. Holy shit. Yeah, big deal. So if you haven't heard that or you want to like hear our thoughts and the takeaways, go listen to that. But as we talked about in like the first episode, the idea of this is that we bring different topics and we all kind of talk about different topics and we keep it very casual. So less like of a structured, we're talking about one thing and more like, what do we feel like talking about today? So what do we feel like talking about today? Oh man, I mean, I got a couple stuff, a couple things going on. Yeah, what do you have going on? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of when, when we recorded the first episode, because, of course, I, I couldn't be here last time, unfortunately. But um, I've just started a PhD in uh, education, of all things, which is which is really interesting. It's a really different perspective. It's something that I haven't really experienced before. There's a lot of things that I notice as differences between education and history. For example, like, so much of education is focused on studies, and it almost has sort of like a science element to it. Like it, it feels a lot more social sciencey than history ever did, if that makes sense. Like there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of stuff with human participants, obviously. It's like, you know, in history, you're looking at like you know, newspapers, books or whatever from hundreds of years ago. Dead people. Right. This, you're, ta you're, you're, you're looking at like students who are, you know, in education right now sort of thing or, or policies that exist in, in the present. So, but like, you know, papers that I do for readings and stuff for, for like the courses that I'm in and everything they're they have like method sections and they have discussion sections and they have all that sort of stuff that, that I sort of associate with psychology or more direct sciences, even and that sort of thing, as opposed to my background, they use APA citations. Listen here. Oh, okay. No. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if anyone listening to this podcast right now cares about citations, but I do. Okay, so we all just <laughs> just I care about citations, and uh, the only one I care about is Chicago, Chicago or Boston. Yeah, that's what I say. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Chicago. I'm like I'm okay with MLA too, from like my literature background. Yeah, but I feel like Chicago is just like the best of like both worlds. I'm just here for yeah. footnotes because footnotes provide so much information, yes. and I feel like when you're 
like whatever, 18 or 19 and you're in first year, you don't care about the information. But as you get older, it's like, but where is that? How old is that source? Right? Like you want to be like, when was that paper written? And it's right there in the footnote. You don't have to go anywhere. It has the publisher. It has the year. It has everything you're looking for. But it's also like out of the way. So if you're reading and you're like, I don't want to like stop mid-sentence because it's in brackets. Yeah. Right. And then you keep going. Right. Exactly. Ignore it if you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've had to begin using APA citations. I've had to start learning a whole new citation format in my PhD, which has been a little bit of a learning curve, but, and I mean, like, you know, I, I can understand why some people like it. I, I don't as much, but that's fine. It's what I have to do. So I'm just going to have to keep doing it. And that's that. But, but I, like, yeah, right. Like, no, listen here. I, I don't want to make this whole episode about freaking citations. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't I mean to ramble on this much about citations, <laughs> but the idea here is like, to me, Exactly what Katie was saying, like what what footnotes can offer is obviously more information, but just in general, like, I don't know, there's just something about APA that it, it, it feels like just on this idea of information, it feels like so far education in terms of the research conducted, in terms of the way that they write, they're, they're more interested in sort of trimming the fat, so to speak. Like, like most of the articles that I read are between 10 and 15 pages, like max, like the biggest article I think I've read is yeah like history will not only be like super wordy but like a footnote could be like an yeah. entire side story. Like, oh i love it when you're reading a yes. paper love that. and the footnotes like <laughs> yes. a whole paragraph in and of itself and a you're like you page, could have just included basically. this yeah 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 exactly yeah the real paragraph is like a quarter of the page yeah, and then the yeah. footnote is the other three quarters yeah. yeah and listen in second year that's a fucking godsend that is like when you're like knee deep in readings and you're only in your second year and you're like sick <laughs> Yeah, you're not reading the footnotes, exactly. so you're like, perfect, yeah. I've just moved on a page. Yeah, yeah. that's so, that's a sleigh. Uh, yeah, so I've been having to do a lot of APA, and it's just, it, it. I think it is indicative of the sort of vibe of the way research is done there, where, where they focus on sort of, here are my methods, here's what I learned, here's what I think it means, and that's it. And it's sort of, it, it, like, like it, it, it does feel a little more skeletal to me. It does feel a little like, like they don't care so much about the piece as much as they do about, like, just the information inside it, which there's, like, merit to that, I think. But I don't know. There's something about it that feels a little weird to me, I guess. And, uh, uh, and, and, and yeah, I just, I think that they're not as interested in offering as much information as possible and would rather just sort of quickly cite out an in-text citation to be like, go read this person. If you, if you care more about this, just read it. I don't need, right. I don't have time to tell you about it. We're, we're off to the races. So, you know, that. That is one of many things about the PhD that that have been new and exciting. Citations of all things. So, I mean, I've been I've been going through courses. I got a course on indigeneity and decolonizing education, which is fantastic. Oh, it's teaching. That's I indigen- want to do that. That sounds yeah, cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yes, yes, it's all about in, uh, indigenous uh, ways of knowing and and indigenous scholarship and indigenous research methodologies and all that sort of stuff and sort of putting yourself in the research, which is something I've been for for many years anyway and so it's, it's really fun to it's it's cool because the the different courses that i'm in and all the readings and stuff i it, i feel like i can draw so much more on my personal experience and my personal i guess opinions as much as the actual like evidence in the article which is something that you can't really do as much in history that a lot of you know if you're, if you're going to make a claim or an opinion about an argument 
that you're uh, talking about in a class, you kind of have to know the history that is, is sort of embedded in that argument, right? You have to understand whatever historical context you're talking about. But here, it feels a lot more sort of open-ended. It feels a lot more like, I don't know, like I'm sort of in the clouds in a really good way, in a way where it, it feels like I can really just think and talk. And so it like classes are so fun. I just feel like I have three hour conversations about really wild, interesting topics that I'm super, super happy about. So it's been it's been really great so far. It's been it's been so, so fun. Uh, apparently, I'm taking more courses than some of the other PhDs, but I think that'll help me in the long run in terms of in terms of sort of freeness during comps and everything when I eventually get to that. Uh, but it's great. Mm -hmm. I love my new supervisor. She's absolutely wonderful. Shout out to Goalie. And and yeah, it's. It's 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 been great. I don't. It, it's I've missed school so much. <laughs> yeah, you can like, tell. Like you can really tell that you have like that spark back. Which yeah. Is really cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes yeah. me happy, Aww. and this is the stuff I want to do. Right? That like you know, no shade to any of the jobs that I've had over the past year and a half. I've, I'm 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 incredibly privileged to say that I've worked contracts purely in the field of public history since I graduated, which is definitely something really wonderful and, and something to celebrate. But like all the contracts that I had while they were fun and interesting, none of them really were the thing that I wanted to do. Right. Which is, mm -hmm. you know, focus on focus on education and focus on on um, some sort of black history and, and and sort of applying that to the present in some way that is meaningful for change. And and I was like, I don't know where else I'm going to find that other than doing more school, at least right now in terms of the, the pathways that I have ahead of me. And, and so, yeah, I'm just like it feels like I'm sort of back doing what I want to do and everything, which is really lovely. And I'm happy about it. So it's, nice. it's going great. Yeah. If you guys have other specific questions, I'm happy to, to feel those, but that's, that's the general sort of. I like the general vibes. If you have specific questions, listeners, you can always DM us and I will pass them along to Patrick. Yes. Or email Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Those yeah. two, if you yeah. don't have Insta. If anyone is curious, I'll say PhD is the exact same as a master's in terms of like what I'm doing. Like, I don't, I don't feel extra special, if that makes sense. Like, it, it feels like I'm literally doing the same thing that we did when we did our master's degree, except for right. four years instead of one. Yeah. So four times that's kind of nice. It, you know, that is just sort of more grad school, which, which feels good. I think it's it, often, often with PhDs, you feel like it, there's a really big sort of mystique about them. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, they're just the same as before. You just, yeah, you read stuff, you talk about it, you write stuff. Well, I think, I think it's cool too, once you get further in and like, to really like sink your teeth into a topic and like oh yes fully like like that's your only focus and to get so specialized on something like that's really yes. cool and yeah like obviously with our grad school especially because it was only a year like we never got to do anything that was like that in depth so yeah exactly that's pretty cool yeah. it is very exciting and I mean yeah so I and I, as you guys know I, I stayed on for sort of an extra four months after everyone else finished the MA program to, to write it's called a cognate paper i've always been so confused why people call it that or why, why they call it that but it's because you don't defend it right it's because it's i don't defend it i just get a grade but it's basically it's like it's a, about a 50 page paper based solely on on like primary source research and then secondary source stuff after that obviously but what i mean to say with that is that like i had i've had like four months of of sort of focusing on one topic which was really fun and so the idea that i get to do it for like over two years just working on one document is really exciting. And it's also really cool that, so I was talking to, I had a, a meeting with my supervisor and she was talking to me about a, a shirk application for any international folks or, or even frankly, even Canadian folks, to be honest, who are listening to this shirk stands for the society or no, sorry, the social science and humanities research council of Canada. 
it's basically it's the federal organization that doles out money to fund research in the social science and humanities. And so my supervisor uh, just applied for a shirk for herself to as a, a, a big project with multiple professors. And she literally just said to me, she was like, and you'll get it, you'll have a job and you'll publish with me. Like if, if we get it, like, you, like you'll, you'll work with me and, and, and uh, we'll publish together and stuff. And so like that level of support is really wonderful. And uh, the faculty of ed is really supportive with all of its faculty. All of them are, are, are so kind and helpful and just really excited to have people who are interested and wanting to be there, which is great. But the other wild thing is that, like uh, talking to Goalie, my supervisor, about it, she's she's talking to me about what the short grant is is for and, and the work I would be doing with her. And it's almost exactly the thing that I want to do for me. And so oh, it's this it's like it's black this, history and Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh interviewing uh black uh faculty members of universities across Canada about their experiences uh being black at, at universities and, and in university spaces. And my work is literally that, but with students instead of faculty. And so like the like you know what I mean? And so like the, the number of things that are going to be so similar for us is so wonderful and, and really cool. And it just, it, it's so neat to have found a supervisor who's literally doing what I want to do, but slightly different. So it still feels like what I want to do is kind of mine. And, and it kind of, it, you know what I mean? Like there's none of that worry that I'm just sort of riffing off her now. It just feels like I found someone who I can just so easily talk to about all these things that I want to talk about. It's, it's so exciting. Yeah. Nice. So I'm really happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm having a good time. Liz, what do you anyway. have? anything what what do i have um yeah i've been let's see work's been pretty good i've been um slowly like you know i'm sure like most people who are in history like get this like you guys probably get it we're like you find a topic and you start like learning more about it and then you just kind of like get a little bit obsessed and you're like this is like part of my personality now (laughs) (laughs) yes uh, so for me, like, what's cool is I'm doing the, um, I've been doing a, a second one. So I actually got to do the first one our company ever did for work, which is really cool. Um, the first one I did a couple months back was a heritage impact assessment of a cemetery. And they had never done that before. Like, obviously, we do a lot of archaeology in a cemetery, but definitely not like, here's the heritage of a cemetery. Um, but what's cool is they gave me another cemetery to do the same thing on, uh, for th- this next project that I'm doing, which is really neat. So I've been researching, um, especially like rural, rural cemeteries. And I don't know, I'm just, that's just been my like shtick lately as I'm starting to realize I'm like, I really love cemeteries. And it's kind of cool because growing up when my parents got separated, whatever, it's fine. Um, my dad bought a house and it literally like it was like backyard cemetery and i remember like the first night there i was like so terrified i was like oh my god like i i had to like have the window like not the window blinds had to be open because i was like i need to see what's going on out there and my dad was like like there's no ghosts or anything like everyone's dead in there like you're okay (laughs) but like after a while I honestly loved the cemetery and it would literally be like Mm -hmm. part of my backyard and I would just go in there and like I would read the names and be like oh I wonder who they were and like it was just like such a fun time and it's really cool that that's coming back now in like a different way where I get to like do these site visits and go hang out in cemeteries so I got to do that last Friday and it was great because I wasn't sure from looking at Google Maps, there was parts of the cemetery blocked out. Um, But in the histories that I was reading, there is a 1930 chapel that was built there. Mm. And I going into it, I was like, this chapel could be gone or it might be there. And it's so cool to like go there and be like, oh my God, the chapel is here. 
So very cool. Anyway, it was really neat. It dates back to the 1860s, the the cemetery. So um, that's just been like I don't know. So I, I actually ordered a couple books. One is about like the architecture of death. Which I'm like, that sounds so cool. <laughs> the architecture, architecture of, of death. Of death. Jeez. It's so cool. And it's so interesting, like, learning about, like, specifically, like, um, rural cemeteries and garden cemeteries, which is a lot of the cemeteries that, like, I've looked at, and how, like, they represent, like, the changing, like, associations and affiliations with death, how, like, these church, these old churchyards that would have been, like, in the cities that were overflowing by, like, the mid-19th century... And then you get into, like, the Victorian era and everyone's very much, like, romanticizing death and, like, almost wanting to be around death. And so we started beautifying cemeteries and making them public spaces for, like, not only commemoration, but also for, like, living people to enjoy. And then seeing That's how that, so like, wild. Isn't that crazy? Mm. And, it's, and it's true. Yeah. Like, Kens- Kensal Green, which is in London... England like that's like the, one of the first ones ever a garden cemetery ever done and it was beautiful and it had pathways and gardens and like the most insane giant obelisks everywhere um, and like that eventually trickled over into the states and into Canada um, and even this cemetery I went to has these winding pathways and really beautiful old trees and um, and plaques and different things so yeah, it was just, it's just really cool. I've been, just, that's just been my, my cemetery vibe lately. I got some really cool photos of the cemetery that maybe I'll post. Have I been um, to Kensal Green? Sorry. I think I've been there. I would love to go. It looks so cool. Is it one of the seven sisters? Do you know? I don't know. There are seven um, cemeteries in London called the Seven Sisters. Um, see. And my uncle, who lives in London, is obsessed with them and so every time i go he makes me go to one of these cemeteries and he loves it and i wander around being like interesting yeah kensal green is one of them yes i think i've been there that's cool that's so weird i've also heard a lot about highgate cool brompton i watched um, a jurassic park movie in brompton sorry go ahead (laughs) Uh, you watched a jurassic park movie yeah, they filmed, they screened Jurassic Park in Brompton Cemetery once. Hey, nice. Can you imagine That's all awesome. the dead people are just like, oh, this is a good Yeah, movie. right? This kind of slaps. Right? Like, they died That's in like really the 17th funny. century. And, like, they're like, what's a dinosaur? Yeah. We have found fossilized mosquitoes from the 1800s and have used the DNA blood taken from them to recreate Victorians. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was just curious. So you're saying the rural cemeteries is that what you're looking at in terms yeah. of like what you're doing right now yeah exactly that's so, neat yeah, the rural cemeteries, like are they different and they are different well it's interesting yeah. too because like some cemeteries right like rural cemeteries in particular you have these pioneer cemeteries that are strictly yeah. like affiliated with with a church or like a religion and then the cemetery that i'm looking at right now is a union cemetery and so it was like mostly Methodists, but there's also Catholics. There's a mm. lot of um, Masonic graves in there. Um, and then you even have some, like the first one that I did was a lot more of a contemporary cemetery. And so there was an Islamic burial section there and a Jewish section. Oh. And um, then you also have things like columbariums, which are those like shelves basically that you put ashes in and scattering gardens where literally all you do is like, it's a big garden and you like sprinkle ashes like it's just neat to see the the evolution of how we've looked at commemoration 
of death. And this one cemetery I'm doing now is really cool because it is so old, but it's still active. It, like, the earliest grave was, like, 1864, and it's still being used, which is neat. So you get to, like, walk through and see really old graves mixed with, like, really contemporary ones. So, yeah, so, like, uh, the rural cemeteries are really, they're interesting because they kind of represent, like, how people lived in different, you know, like, it tells a lot about a community. Like, this cemetery is, like, the only cemetery in this community. Um, and it's really cool to see, like, and it's, it's really cool to see, like, the family names. Like, there's, like, the Wilsons, which all came over from Devonshire and are still living in that town today and, like, still have people getting buried there. Um, while the first Wilson was buried there in, like, the 1860s. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, like, really, again, really vibing with cemeteries. I think there's, like, a lot that they can tell us, which is really cool. And almost as a public history thing, too. And, like, thinking about them as a public space. Um, and as, like, something that we do with commemoration mm -hmm. beyond just, like, statues and stuff and, like, plaques and things. So Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, I'll let, I'll let you know what I think about the architecture of death. Yeah. <laughs> sounds really cool. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> rad. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. And I mean... I've even been looking at, like, the different stone materials and even, like, the different motifs. Like, you have, like, the joined hands and urns and mm. weeping willows and, like, what all those mean. Um, and, like, the Masonic symbols and stuff, too, which is cool. So. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, I was even thinking about some of, the, so some of the stuff that I've been talking about in my indigeneity course about sort of how researchers can um, sort of think about the, the spiritual side of research and and knowledge and this idea of, of of knowledge being something that isn't just sort of objective or or scientific that spiritual knowledge is, is really a significant part of knowledge and i've been trying to think about that more often especially as a settler and trying to like you know sort of position myself in that when i'm thinking about my phd research and stuff and and uh what so just in terms of what you're saying something that kind of popped in my head that i thought was kind of neat is this idea that because okay backstory I remember in our masters, we did a, a, one of the big projects. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but it was we had to research the heritage of a house, right? Mm -hmm. And for Rob, Robin and I, actually coincidentally, we're, we're, we were partnering up for that. And for our project, we did enough digging to realize that the first owner of the home uh, that we were looking at for heritage designation, the, the first owner was buried in Mount Pleasant Cemetery. And Mount Pleasant Cemetery, for everyone who doesn't know, is about a five-minute walk from my apartment. I was going to say, it's, like, really close yes. to you, yeah. So I decided randomly, like, on, like, a, a random, like, I don't know, we had, I had a day off of school and stuff. And so I just decided to walk to the cemetery to see if I could find the grave. And I did. And it was this, and I, I literally, I FaceTimed Robin to be like, look at this, I found the grave! Because then we found, like, five more, because, of course, there was this whole family for this person. Uh, and and generations of family, <clears throat> excuse me. And so there was there were so many moments of like, oh, this person and this person, this person. They all shared the last the same last name, and they all have like stones right near each other and everything. And it, and and so hearing about you talking about this now, and me thinking about my indigenous course that I'm in right now, and thinking about that experience from a few years ago, I think the reason why it like really felt it distinct to me to be able to see that was was that I came back to my apartment and like I would go to bed that that night and think like you know like. 
less than a kilometer away from me right now is this dude's grave. And like, he's chilling there. He's chilling there all decomposed and dead and shit. And I'm here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it was this. But at the same time, you're carrying yeah, something like, on by learning. Yes. Like you're reviving him by learning about yeah. him and bringing that history to light. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So it, it has this, this feeling of like, of, of spiritual knowledge of, of, of like knowing that this person, like it, it, it just, it feels like because I know where, where the grave is this person sort of has this, 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 uh, everlastingness to them. I don't know. I think, so I think that's really neat about, about history and, and, and graveyards and, and, uh, cemeteries and all that sort of stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. That sounds super fun. I know it's even made, it's made me think about like, how do I want to be commemorated? Yeah. Cause I, I, I'm big on cremation. I'm like, I don't really want to rot in the ground, but then like looking a, looking at all these beautiful, like really beautiful, like 19th century graves are really cool. And then I'm also like, but at the same time, I don't know if I just want to be like sprinkled. I definitely don't want to be on an in an urn on a shelf somewhere. <laughs> but like the act of like coming to like, and I've done that with family members too, right? Like especially family members I never met. Mm-hmm. Like I went to Saskatchewan and saw my great great grandmother, who I'm named after, and like just the act of being like going to visit and like again like just like paying homage to them and just like commemorating them i'm like i think i want that in a you know what i mean i want my like great grandchildren to come and be like oh this is where she is and just like it's like your lasting like physical place and like connection to the physical world is is there so i'm also like totally like i've decided i'm like i want to get like a really old looking grave like i want to get like one that looks like it's victorian oh hell (laughs) yeah really cool yeah it'd be really cool if anyone knows anything about materials, white bronze or zinc obelisk Ooh. is like what I'm thinking. So mm. anyway, she's that's 25. Do. It just makes you think about, I know, I'm yeah. like, I hope I don't have to actually like act on anything soon, but it makes you think about it, especially yeah. looking at like active cemeteries and you're reading the website, but like we offer this thing and we offer this thing, you know, like you can be put in a columbarium or you can be buried or mm-hmm. It's just all no. the things you don't you, think you about. Know, think yeah. about one day. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Super cool. Katie, what have you been up to? I honestly didn't have anything to bring to this because I've had like a crazy twenty-four hours. But then Liz pointed out that my crazy twenty-four hours could make good content. So I was in London yeah. for work. <laughs> now London, you mean London. London, England? Yes, or London, London England. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody ever means London, England. No offense to those all who right, live in London, right. Ontario. It's it's the second second best London in the world. Yeah, it really is, and that's true. There's a lot of Londons, you know, because of colonialism. Um. Anyway, I was in London for work. I won't go into the work bit because obviously hashtag redacted. But um, in my free time, I went to the V&A, which is my favorite museum in London. By a landslide. Cool. And if you haven't been to the VNA, I don't know if either of you have been to the VNA. No. I wish. I haven't been I haven't made it overseas yet that way. Should come visit. I have been to London once. You have a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. As a research trip in my undergrad. It was a lot of fun. Did you go to the VNA? I did not go to the VNA. I did go to the British Museum to see what all that was about. Classic. I I measured the room to see to see if I could steal the marbles back. And I was like, I'm only one person. I was like, walks into the room and I was like, I thought these were marbles. I thought they were like little <laughs> spheres. These, these, are, are these are all, these are a lot bigger 
and heavier. That I thought I could just pocket these. I didn't. <laughs> How did they get? Can't the they just like go to like the toy store and just get, yeah, new, and get marbles? new marbles? <laughs> like. <Yeah. laughs> oh man. So neither of you have been to the VNA. I assume lots of our visitors, our visitors, our listeners haven't, because I think in the like mental map that people have of London, British Museum is what comes up first. Maybe the National Gallery if you're into art, and then like things like the Tower of London, Buckingham Palace, like kind of the the tourist sites. The VNA has a like long history that I will not get into, and it's like much like the British Museum. It contains tons and tons of stuff that like should not belong to it, and we've been over this like time and time again about museums. But what I wanted to talk about isn't that because we've hashed that so many times. I wanted to talk about the like amazing things that are in the VNA that like the VNA could do so much better. I mean, admittedly, it does pretty well, but it has British galleries, so it has like british art section so it does like i think it's like 1560 to 1760 and then 1760 to 1900 and then 1900 to present i don't know why i'm sure there's a reason i'm sure there's reason but it does like lots of really cool things it has a whole section on william morris who like i love dearly Ooh, i love william morris exactly too. like like the vna makes such a quick buck on william morris like you i i've said this to everyone i've ever met you might not know William Morris, but you know his prints because the VNA turns out so much stuff with his prints on them. It's probably where they make like half of their money. I swear. That plus they still use them for wallpaper too. Like yeah. Oh my God. So, I yeah. get advertised. It's still active. Yeah. The Ruggable X William Morris, like Morris and Co. Yes. Like. Oh, I see. Yeah. I yeah. know this dude. Mm-hmm. I've seen this shit. Yeah, you've That's seen that shit. That's the one that Katie did the project, your, yes. um, your digital history project on. That you, like, oh, that was Morris. Over. Yes. Oh my yes, God. Can Morris. we just side note how rad that was? <laughs> that was For really anyone, any of us who don't know how to code, because Katie knows a little bit of coding, so she's like, this is the easiest shit in the world. She just like, like you... learned how to code. Yeah, yeah. And we were all like, you pulled off fucking magic. This is, you made a picture move on my computer. <laughs> I said, I... Coded an HTML on Tumblr once so I can learn how to code a whole website. Spoiler alert, it was really, really hard. But anyway, that's besides the point. The long and the short of this is that um, if you live in the UK, which I don't think a fair amount of our listeners do, or you're visiting um, London in the next few months, you should totally go to the VNA. It's impossible to navigate because like every massive museum, there's about a gazillion rooms and you get lost every time. But pick up a map, go to the British galleries. And then the thing that I loved that they had was they had a whole free exhibition on musicals. So they called it Reimagining Musicals. It was so cool. They had everything from like posters to costumes to like set design to like like models of sets. It was incredible. What was what was like the coolest Ooh. thing for you? Like or what was your favorite musical thing that you saw? They had so many costumes. Oh, I'm trying to think of what costumes. You know, in my in my head, I'm like, they didn't have any cats costumes because they didn't. <laughs> oh, my God. The thing they have that's like the first thing you see is the Scar costume from the West End production. I of was totally thinking King. about Lion King. I was, yes. <laughs> and it, Absolutely. It's like the first thing you see, and it is like 
so cool because obviously it's like this massive costume and they have it like displayed and they had like things from yeah like th- like shows that had literally just ended so like 2021 2022 and then they had like shows from the 1950s and like costumes and sets oh, and stuff from that man. so yeah really That's cool. cool really cool and it's free so the vna is free wow. they do paid exhibitions but this was a free exhibition as well um, so this is my promo for the VNA because I do love them dearly, even though they have a problematic history. But if you're ever in South Kensington and you're like, what do I do with my day? Go to the VNA. That's my, that's my tip. Sponsored yeah. by the Vigoder. <laughs> I wonder if I just say that, if they'll send us money. Do you think? Uh, if I just, I if I just say that. I, I think they'd probably send us like a legal yeah like, <laughs> a cease and stop. desist no no yeah. i'll just i'll give him a call and i'll be like excuse me mr vna we uh we his sponsor- name was henry we, cole you- <laughs> <laughs> mr cole of the vna vma vna m n and and i should say and a victoria and Albert. yes yes right i just totally shortened it yes it's the victoria and albert museum Okay, the V and A. Okay, the most yeah, iconic good. couple of all time. Yeah, yeah, well, but it's founded by Henry Cole, which is why I said Henry Cole. They just they name right. it that. Like later on, they first call it the South Kensington Museum, mm-hmm. and then they change it to the Victoria mm. and Albert. Yeah, it is very strange that it's that and not like Queen Victoria. Like it's not as like formal. Uh, yeah, Regal. exactly. Yeah. yeah, as most because everything else is like Her Royal Highness the Queen of blah blah blah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Anyway, it's a worthwhile museum if that's you ever really find neat. yourself well, in London. Uh, that sounds like a fun, a fun little uh, work getaway. Yeah, it was fun. It it involved waking up at four a.m. yesterday, which I did not appreciate. God dang. Yeah. Yeah, what? that was rough. And then um, today was actually fine. I I I got up at seven, but that's because I get up at seven. And then I walked to a bakery, which I had a grand old time. So if my voice dang. just how long does it take from like where you, I'm not going to say where you are, mm-hmm. but like where you are to London, like by train? But, is it not that far? No, it's not that, well, it's about it's five far. hours. <laughs> oh, really? I thought it would have been shorter. Okay. So that is, that's a pretty decent train. Yeah. You can get slightly shorter ones, but not much shorter. Um, but it's like, it's a pretty decent, it's an hour flight, give or take. And it's and like a pretty decent flights train. are usually cheaper. In you can get too. pretty cheap flights. Oh yeah, like especially if you don't take yeah. like baggage much. You know, like an easy jet flight can cost you like thirty quid. <laughs> Count me it. That's so nice. I yeah. wish. Yeah. So. Sorry, that was a joke about my emotional stability. Yeah, I figured it was. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded like the right thing to say. I don't know. I thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, anyway. But, I like a wine mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a vibe. But all, oh oh wait, I know what you're talking about with the pink thing. You're talking about Joe yeah. and the juice. Yeah, I was like pink. I, we were drinking orange wine, so I was like maybe is she it, thought that wine was pink. Joe and the juice. Isn't that the place that has the the tuna cotto that like yes sandwich that everyone's obsessed with? That's the I saw the like sticker and I was like. Everyone gets this one sandwich. Did you get... No, you're a vegetarian. Yeah, no, I didn't. Did you fish? I do fish. I do fish occasionally, but I didn't get it. I got something that had pesto in it, which technically isn't vegetarian, but I I ignore that. And their pesto is vegan, so it is vegetarian. Um, 
But Joe and the Juice is a, a like if you're from London, you'll be like that is it's like talking about Starbucks in like an amazing way. Like they are on every corner. They are a chain. They're a massive chain across London. Mm. And they do overpriced juice and sandwiches. And the juices are incredible. And the sandwiches are like really, they're like on this really thin bread. That sounds gross, but it's delicious. They're like a panini kind they're of. They're like a panini. Anyway, yeah. I wish panini. we don't have any Joe and the Juices in Scotland. And it devastates me. Sorry, I was thinking about Joe and the Juice. And I, I heard your voice and I just <laughs> kept talking about Joe and the Juice. No, <laughs> all I said was panini and then made a face of like, <laughs> why did I say that? <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. So if you're ever in London, here are my two recommendations. <laughs> They're like the most basic <laughs> yeah. recommendations. The V&A and Joe and the Juice. <laughs> Joe and the Juice. And there's certainly a Joe and the Juice like a stone's throw away from the V&A because they're on, I'm not kidding, every corner. Wherever you go, you can find a Joe and the Juice. Anyway, that's that's it <laughs> for my London recommendations. I have legitimate ones, but let's not talk about them. This isn't this isn't a London recommendation podcast. Maybe a different day. Maybe a different day. Maybe we'll have a whole. We could do that someday. Yeah. Katie's when travel maybe guide. one of us one of us will plan to actually go, and then before we go, you can like yeah exactly give us your, there you go. your cliff notes. Yeah, because I feel like yeah. I mean, obviously, but like London. And, like, most cities in the UK, like, are incredible for history nerds. Like, history oh, nerds absolutely. rise. Like, it, there's nothing, it's nothing like Canada. I mean, there's history <laughs> the in Canada. The only things I think about doing, like, if I'm going to England is all just history. Yeah. Like, it's all just absolutely. architecture, yeah. tours, yeah. museums. Going to cathedrals, yeah, going to museums. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, Hell Westminster yeah. Abbey. Exactly. I went yeah. there. I went there when I <laughs> yeah. went to England. I, you know what? As a practicing Anglican, I worshipped there. And that was a pretty wow. rad that, that was pretty, pretty cool. That is pretty Not going to lie. I was I'm like, whoa. I'm baptized Anglican, but... That's yeah! Right. Represent, baby! Yeah. Yeah, I'm Presbyterian because <laughs> I'm from Scotland. You mother... <laughs> John Knox, represent. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We're getting dangerous territory here, folks. <laughs> as long as you're not Catholic in my books. Whoa! Thank God Robert's not here. Is Robin Catholic? <laughs> oh, yeah. Robin's probably Catholic because she's French-Canadian. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's a big generalization about French-Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> it's a massive generalization about French-Canadians. <laughs> and I just want to say for the rest of the people listening to the podcast that Liz didn't mean that. And French-Canadians <laughs> don't come for us. They, I'm scared of you. <laughs> French-Canadian and not Catholic. It's okay. We but, but you're you. doing it wrong as well. But historically. Historically, <laughs> Historically. Historically, yes. I hear you. Catholic. There you go. I gotta say, folks, I really enjoy this new format. I'm having a lot of fun. Just this is great Chatting time. and yeah. having a good time with it. Just yeah. having a I good feel time. Like, I feel like we really, it is after school and we're, t- and we're just chilling and we're hanging out. We're just yeah. hanging. It's great. Max and relax and all cool. Oh, that's a good joke. Yeah, it was a Fresh Prince reference for those who are too young or uninitiated. Um, as as Katie would say, slay, slay. Oh, I say slay. Slay. slay the house boots down. Yes, slay the house. There Houston, I'm deceased. <laughs> I actually that, talk folks? like that at work, and I think people think that's how Canadians talk. Anyway, <laughs> oh my God, Katie! Yes, no. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely better than like, because... oh, oh, Hoser, what you doing, bud? Like, out for, oh, a, out for a rip? <laughs> oh, I'm going up for a rip in my sleigh, it. don't you know? 
my god. Yeah. Honestly, I say for sure all the time right now. For, oh, sure. for sure. For oh, sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Oh, for sure. sure. oh man. That is, that is very Canadian. That is for very sure. Canadian, for sure. Fuck, I just did it. <laughs> I didn't mean to do it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, trust me, once you get it into your brain, it's all, like, it's and there. then you'll hear it, and you'll be in the middle of a conversation, and you'll say it six times in a row, and you'll be like, oh, my God, somebody get me out of I this. I have a problem. Yeah. And on that... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the chaos Speaking of the of Canadians. Happy Thanksgiving to all us Canadians out there this week. Well, I guess when yes. you're listening to this, it will have passed, but happy yeah. Thanksgiving. We will celebrate for Katie from afar. Oh, don't worry. I'm throwing Thanksgiving. a Thanksgiving party. That That is like the one thing that would be really cool about being like Canadian or American and living in the UK is like you get that main character moment of being like, let me show you my culture. Yeah. Let me show you Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's cultural we we can see how much can you stuff into a turkey yeah yeah but this 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 is a vegetarian thanksgiving so there's no yeah sure how much can you stuff into a tofu (laughs) into a tofu i know it truly is a main character moment too because i'm like the only one from yeah anywhere like the the america keeper of thanksgiving yes so i can i could say whatever i wanted and they'd be like okay yeah. So. Like slay. Slay. But and anyway. then the pilgrims said slay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use that. Oh no, that actually that's not oh oh no. Oh, you were taking it literally with oh, the word oh, slay. Yeah, that's true. I <laughs> it's not like the Sorry. pilgrim myth is even part of Canadian Thanksgiving. This doesn't matter. I don't it's think, not. I don't think yeah, no, okay guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we definitely aren't like Americans that way. Like, we don't do the whole pilgrim, indigenous people no. thing. It's it's more just about the harvest and, like, eating. It's about yeah. in, like, the 1950s, they were like, yeah, we should have a Thanksgiving, too. Let's make yeah, it in we October. Need a holiday. Yeah, Let's make which it makes October. way more sense. So much but better. Yeah, American so much Thanksgiving better. is too close to Christmas. So close to Christmas. Much at once. Yeah. How can you get in a yeah. Christmassy yeah. vibe if Thanksgiving hasn't happened? Thanksgiving, yeah. Thanksgiving is so weird. Christmas starts on November 1st for me, so I could never. It does. I Well, it that's absolutely. the thing. I've seen people literally hosting Thanksgiving in America like on a vlog, but like their house is decorated for Christmas. Yeah, or they put up the yeah. Christmas tree, and I'm like, this is Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fall. It's a harvest festival weird. for the fall. Let it be its own thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, Thanksgiving is like my favorite holiday because it's not really about anything. It's just about like yeah. being with your family and, and like food. And being eating painful. good food. Yeah. It's not about like gifts or anything like that. So it's my fave. I know. It I keep having to tell people. I'm like, no, it's a holiday about food, guys. That's all it is. And they're yeah. like, really? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's a holiday about food. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Well, on that, amazing. happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We hope you enjoyed. Woo! Woohoo! Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble! Or if you're vegetarian tofurky tofurky as always you can dm us or email us if you have anything to say honestly we read them all so whatever you want to say to us just say it we hope you've enjoyed this installment of our new podcast that's also our old podcast mixed into a new podcast i don't know what i'm saying i'm very delirious (laughs) (laughs) yeah katie's running it on very little sleep so thanks for listening (laughs) have a great one happy thanksgiving bye
After School Archive Club is produced in sound design by Elizabeth Edwards with music by Matthias Muller. This podcast is recorded in London, Ontario on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabeg, Haudenosaunee, Donapawak, and Atawangaran. For more information, follow us on Instagram at After School Archive Club Pod and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we still don't have a sign off yet, but we'll get there. All right, all right, here we are. Making a sign off happening right now. Here we go, here we go. The sign off is magic of the moment. The sign off is. Toodle